Hi, this is Dr. Linda Mintel. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast of the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. Our website is filled with more encouraging interviews, all accessible at MyFaithRadio.com. everyone, and welcome to the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. I'm your host, Dr. Linda Mintel, the relationship doctor, and I'm here along with my co-host, the other Dr. Mintel, my husband, Norm. And every weekend we're here, we're doing life together, and we're so glad you've joined us. Yes, we are indeed glad. I have a question for you. Do you realize, at least according to tradition, that we're now officially in wedding season? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, I'll admit I don't read all those bride magazines, <laughs> but I don't remember hearing much about huge weddings since Prince Harry and Meghan Markle tied the knot. I know. I don't think we've had any royals. That's no, that's one of the, the weddings why. that gets such a big deal. You know, I did watch their wedding on YouTube. After the fact, I actually did that. And when we went to England to record interviews for your documentary series, Inexplicable, How Christianity Spread to the Ends of the Earth. Oh, thanks for the blog. Yeah, just put that out there. It's it's awesome. If you want to read about Christian, you want to see Christian history with a great, beautiful cinematography. And Dennis Haysbert is actually the host on that one. It's really well done. Thank you. We did go to Windsor. Yes. And... uh, I re- recreated the walk down the aisle in the church of Megan <laughs> and Harry. You look just like Megan. <laughs> Didn't I? Thank you. <laughs> a few years older <laughs> with less uh, stuff, right? <laughs> but there is something wonderful about weddings, especially the magical kind in Windsor Castle. That one was magnificent. Oh, it was beautiful. And marriages and churches remind us of the sacredness involved when two people pledge their futures and their life together. Well, we hope so, because that's really a point we're going to make. It is about joining two people. But also, Norm, you join their families together. It's a package deal. The family comes with the spouse, whether you recognize that or not. Do you think most people think about that, that when you get married, you're actually marrying the whole family, so to speak? I don't know. Very likely, uh, the couple has dated uh, in a city away from their families, perhaps in college or uh, as professionals. They probably were engaged like you and I were when my family was in Argentina. Yeah, it's a long way. In fact, you didn't even meet them until almost our wedding day. I know. Isn't that wild? (laughs) As I start the book out with that. story. I don't think many people are aware of the family dynamics and how they impact their relationships. And I really think that that's part of what you need to look at when you're dating another person. How is their family going to combine with your family and how is it going to influence your marriage? You know, Norm, if you do that before you marry someone, you'll have a better idea of what to expect once you get married. Mm -hmm. And you really can prepare for the good and the difficult times that sometimes come when you merge two families together. I understand that even though weddings and marriages are wonderful, is it true marriage ranks very high on the stress scale? It's true. Marriage is number seven Hmm. on the well-known Holmes Ray stress scale. It's been around forever. Marital separation ranks higher at number three. Mm Mm-hmm. And marital reconciliation, even though that's a good thing, it's number nine on the stress scale. It's hard work. It's hard work. The work of getting married and staying married can be stressful, but we also want to say 
It can be wonderful, and there are so many benefits. It's definitely worth the effort. And here's another thing to know. Married people live longer and are generally healthier than single people. Hmm. So even though there's stress involved with marriage, it has a lot of good things attached to it. Do you think that stress is related to all the planning and drama? I mean, I remember how crazy it was for us. And, and I've heard that the royal wedding at, of Kate and William this time, what happened was on their way to Buckingham Palace following the ceremony, one of the horses in their carriage procession bucked and threw his rider. Oh. Though the horse was sidelined and stopped from going into the crowd, it still managed to break free, ran past everybody in the carriage straight <laughs> into the horse's guard stables. Luckily, the Rider was uninjured, as was the horse. Yeah, and then I remember reading about when Princess Diana was reciting her vows. She was nervous, and she referred to Prince Charles as Philip Charles Arthur George, rather than Charles Philip Arthur George. So she had inadvertently referred to Prince Philip, her (laughs) (laughs) father-in-law. Well, I can understand all those names. Yeah, it's a little hard to keep track of, isn't it? So having wedding plans, we know that these are happy occasions, but they're also stressful. You have to deal with all the moving pieces, all the details. You want to get it right. But planning a wedding doesn't always bring out the best in people. And even weddings themselves, normally crazy things can happen. We found one on the internet. (laughs) Maybe you've seen that one where the couple's feeding cake to each other, but the wife accidentally bites down really hard on the groom's thumb. Oh, was there blood? Uh-huh. Oh, my gosh. That would be awkward. <laughs> yes. I saw another story about a bride who came down with the flu. Excuse me, but she threw up at the reception. And then she began medicating herself with NyQuil and <laughs> ended up passing out for the rest Aww. of the night. Aww. Now, that sounds terrible, but hardly a first night you're going to remember. I know. That's terrible. And here's one more. When a phone started ringing in the middle of a couple's wedding, the priest who was marrying them was not amused. And he started lecturing the congregation about turning off their phones. And then he realized... Wait a minute. It was my his cell that was ringing. Oops. <laughs> Speaking of crazy things, there's a new trend that's very disconcerting for me. Are you ready for this? It's called sologamy. Sologamy? Sologamy. Okay. I think it's like polygamy, but oh, sologamy. Of sologamy because it's self-marriage. Yeah, it's solo. Solo muggy. Sologamy. It's the symbolic ceremony where you commit to maintain a meaningful and deep and loving relationship with yourself. Oh my! So I never watched Sex in the City, no. but apparently back in 2003, in that series, one of the single characters decided to have a ceremony and marry herself to defy the stigma of being single. So just what you're talking about. Yeah. However, when we looked at this and we did a little research, the first person to marry herself to herself was someone named Linda Baker in December 1993, according to the dean of Beeson Divinity School at Samford University in Alabama. Well, these days it seems like sologamy is seeming to grow in popularity and gaining some ground. It's kind of like if you can't love others, might as well love yourself. I think that's the idea. It's all about self-love. And I think you can even buy a dress and have a guest registry and even have a ceremony. The message seems to be you are enough and you are celebrating your wholeness as a single person. Does this make sense? Well, um, it's kind of sad when in reality, you know, this is exactly, I mean, okay, let's think about this from a Christian perspective. It's not about self-love. 
we're not like loving ourselves. We're love, we have to like ourselves because of who we are in Christ, right? But it's Christ that gives us that sense of esteem and who we are. So one of the criticisms of this, other than it's kind of a weird thing to do, <laughs> um, is that it's, it's an outright rejection of God and his love, which always says that you are enough. So mm-hmm. why do you have to have some grandstanding act to say, right. I'm getting a wedding dress and a gift registry and inviting people and all of that. I mean, it's all about me, 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 me. And while we want to feel good about ourselves, Norm, we want to have a healthy view of ourselves, we need to understand that that kind of love comes from God. He loves you. He values you. In fact, He is the bridegroom coming back for His bride, the church. And He promised us a party, the wedding supper of the Lamb. Exactly. So, yes, when people don't know the Lord, they look for ways to heal themselves and feel good apart from God. Mm -hmm. I guess we shouldn't be surprised by these types of things, given people are searching, they're needing to be validated and loved, especially in these days when traditional marriages are under attack. It's such a good point, um, because it's really the wrong focus, and you're not finding your worth through Jesus and through God. So, there's also the problem of more cohabitation instead of marrying, even though that strategy I'm not going to go through all the data, but it does not have as good outcomes as marrying somebody does. But it's a there's a huge rise in cohabitation, and the biggest rise is among people over 50. Wow, that's surprising, isn't well, it? Well, I think it is, and yet you think about people who have been divorced oh, and then don't true. want to repeat the mistake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's going up 75%, and according wow. to Pew, around 18 million people or 7% of the entire population was cohabitating in 2016, mm. half of those people are younger than 35. So, so it's kind of a mixed it, group. Yeah. Well, you know what? I, th- you're right. That rising group of 50 has to do with the divorced, and there's a small number of those, I guess, who would be widowed mm, that could true. also be That's doing true. that. But about a half of that group has never been married and just chooses to live with each other. They don't want to go through a divorce or deal with legal issues. And we know that today there is much more of a relaxed attitude towards living together in the culture. Well, that's true. And marriage is a big commitment, and it's natural to be anxious about it. But given the benefits of it, as you said earlier, why are so many people unwilling to really commit and live together? You know, it's just fear. Hmm. Fear. They've seen they've seen their parents divorce. They mm-hmm. see divorce, you know, is, is rampant in the culture. A, num- a number of young people don't believe that marriage can last a lifetime. And um, rightfully so, because they've seen a lot of people who have divorced. And then, of course, media promote cohabitation as just the most normal way to test out a relationship. That said, we must admit that the divorce rate has declined over the past 20 years. Right. So isn't that interesting? Researchers who study marriage attitudes do find that all the media attention to high-profile divorce does impact our attitudes towards marriage. People rarely see stories on TV and movies with healthy married couples. Mm -hmm. Can you think of one show? Maybe I can think of maybe one. So they're wondering, is it worth it? And then, you know, we have all this, all this constant people living together that we just see that constantly on TV as if there's no other way to do this. You just move in with somebody. It's no big deal. And we need to be clear. The Bible doesn't support this. No. It is pro-marriage, the way God designed us to have families and committed relationships in order to flourish. That's the point. He knows why it works. So we need to be clear. The Bible does not support cohabitation. It supports marriage as a covenant, which is a type of commitment, but a more enduring type, an unbreakable promise. Yes, a covenant means you are in it for the long haul. So this term covenant, rather than contract, 
has a much deeper meaning. And if you go into marriage thinking you need to be in it for life, you have a greater chance of sticking it out through thick and thin. And one of the things I've noticed about marriage is that it really helps you become less selfish. You now look toward your wife and your children to serve. It's not just about you or me. It's so true. And yet it's sad that about 40% of American children are raised without fathers today. Hmm. This is a factor in why we see more problems with mental health. A healthy marriage gives children a front row seat as to how to build a strong family, serve, and have the love and support of others. And if we do this right, we mirror our Creator's unconditional love for us. His promise is to never leave or forsake us. You know, that brings joy, it brings contentment, and we are showing our children how to stay in a committed covenantal relationship. I love that. You talk about it in the first chapter of your marriage book, I Married You, Not Your Family. Marriage is a covenant, not a contract. Okay, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, more on weddings and the importance of marriage, here on the Dr. Linda Mental Show. The other day, I was cut off the road by a driver. Everything in me wanted to yell, hey, watch out. But I restrained myself, knowing that yelling at the driver would not do so much good, and it wasn't the best way to deal with my anger. Anger easily rises up in most of us. Anger, while a natural emotion, needs to be dealt with in the right way. The Bible tells us, be angry, but do not sin. So what is the biblical way to handle anger? Well, this is a question I answer in my short and easy book to read, Breaking Free from Anger and Unforgiveness. That small book has sold over 130,000 copies because of how practical and helpful it is to everyday living. So if you want to be angry but not sin, practice what Scripture teaches. Breaking Free from Anger and Unforgiveness is available on my website, drlindamental.com, and online where books are sold. Welcome back to the Dr. Linda Mental Show. Today we're talking about weddings, wedding stories, and the importance of marriage. First, let me remind you before we get back to our topic that you can use Dr. Linda Mental's social media to find many articles on this topic and more. Go to her website, drlindamental.com. It'll connect you to her blog, her social media, and her books. And today's topic relates to one of her biggest books, I Married You, Not Your Family. Since we're in wedding season and we're talking about the importance of marriage and love, we need to remind ourselves that weddings are all about love. You know, I just feel good about going to a wedding. It makes you smile. But if someone is struggling to stay in a marriage, Linda, where should they start talking about these things? Well, I think a mindset change, like we're talking about, that marriage is a serious commitment, nothing that we should be taking lightly. And I want to remind us of the powerful words that were spoken by the reverend who married Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. He says, love is the starting point. Um, and he really gives us a great quote, I think, that, we've, that, we, that we have. So listen to what he says. Imagine a world where love is the way. Imagine our homes and families where love is the way. Imagine neighborhoods where love is the way. Imagine governments and nations where love is the way. Imagine business and commerce where love is the way. Imagine the, this tired old world when love, sacrificial love, is the way. Hmm then no child would go to bed hungry ever again. Love is the way that poverty will become history. We need love. He's saying we need love. We need it for all kinds of reasons. We Mm -hmm. need love in our hearts for one another. And nowhere can I think of it better than in a committed relationship between a couple. And that starts, Norm, when we understand God's love for us. And it's certainly one of the reasons that 1 Corinthians 13 is read so often at weddings. 
Let's go through the characteristics of love. I know this is familiar territory for many of us, but maybe it's a good time as we attend weddings during this season that we can renew our own vows and vow to love each other better. Yeah, and so I'll start with reading from the English Standard Version and beginning at verse 4. And again, this could be a very familiar passage, but as you think about, as I'm reading this, think about these characteristics of love, and do they apply to me? Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not, it is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoings, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Oh, there's so much good in that chapter we should pay attention to and apply or reapply to our lives. Patience and kindness and endurance. Just doing those things would probably make all of our relationships much, much better. I agree. And and Paul goes on to say that love never ends. And I think that's really powerful. Mm -hmm. It should not stop. It should not end. And so often we hear people say, and it's one of the lies from my book, you know, I've lost that loving feeling, mm-hmm. and it just ends for people. But it needs to keep going, and, you know, we need to keep loving one another, no matter what. But sometimes the feelings begin to wane, right? So what can a person do to bring back those feelings? Let's get real practical for a minute on how do we bring back those loving feelings? Yo, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> We're thinking of the song, right? So one thing that's really simple, but it's really powerful, is appropriate touch with those you love. Touch is something that really makes a difference in a relationship. When we touch, especially skin to skin, we get a little rush of the brain chemicals that help trigger those loving feelings. Think about how often you and your partner actually share physical contact on a daily basis. If it's just a quick peck on the lips before and after work, make an effort maybe to step up your game. Research shows that a 20-second hug, 20 seconds, can trigger a significant oxytocin release. Now, that's important because oxytocin is that bonding hormone that Mm. makes you feel good. Most married couples, Norm, hug for three seconds or less. So I advise two to three times a day, to stop what you're doing, hold a long, calm embrace, and it could change your biochemistry. And you know what? You're going to be bonding even better. Good prescription, Doc. Thank you. (laughs) I do remember also you did a a show on sleeping, and you talked about how cuddling helps people feel more love. Oh, I remember that show. We need to do that show again. So what happens is that same rush of brain chemicals can also come from physical contact in bed. Not just during sex either. So sleeping skin to skin, whether it's full on or even just touching toes, can have relationship benefits too. And in fact, Norm, a 2014 survey found that couples who slept the closest to each other reported having more relationship satisfaction. So get the toddler or the dog out of the bed (laughs) and try snuggling for at least a few minutes. Now, in our case, it's only a few minutes because I get so hot during the night. I can't do that as much, but I used to when I was younger. I used to snuggle a lot. So that's a good thing. It is. And what about carving out time just to spend time together, like a vacation or get away and relax and rekindle love? I think getting away may help you focus on each other instead of all the distractions that we, you know, think about, like we have to repair this and we have to deal with that. But even a staycation or a long weekend at home, if you treat it right, 
can be enough to refresh your bond. You know, my parents took a vacation only. My parents took a parents-only vacation every year to Florida, and they stayed married for 67 years. So something about that must have worked. (laughs) It it certainly (laughs) did. I think one of the problems is that when you're married for a long time, you fall into bad habits. Mm. Are there good habits we could work on and try to keep the love relationship alive? I like that because a bad habit would be taking each other for granted and not noticing the good things about the other person. And, you know, that's because they become a routine, you're mm-hmm. used to it. Mm-hmm. But, yes, if you notice this, you need to tell them. And you need to be thankful for small things. Gratitude is so important to not only your own mental health, but it's important in relationships as well. So maybe put a note in his briefcase, letting him know you appreciate that he gets the dry cleaning every week. Or touch her on the arm and thank her for bringing you coffee or any small thing or gesture. Okay, let's get sexual. Kissing helps, right? Well, kissing doesn't have to be sexual, does it? Well, no. It doesn't have to lead to anything, but kissing is important and can play an important role in the quality of a long-term relationship. At least that's according to a study from Oxford University. In fact, what researchers found was that frequent kissing was even more important. Okay, you ready for this? Mm-hmm. To relationship satisfaction than frequent sex. Oh, okay. There it is. All there right. it is, right? All right. A 30-second kiss gives us a warm, fuzzy, safe bonding feeling from that cuddle hormone again, oxytocin. So spouses can give this feeling to each other by practicing a hug and a kiss. Really, that's a mini connection in the morning before work at bed, and it can make a big difference. <laughs> okay, you win. Kissing and touch help the physical, but what about making an effort to compliment your spouse? I think that's an awfully powerful expression of love, right? Well, when you've had a relationship for a long time, it's easy to focus on the negative. I mean, let's think about it. When people know each other for a long, long period of time, that's when it, things start to become nagging. We did a show on nagging. Mm-hmm. We got a lot of response to that show, by the way. There's a lot of hurt feelings, maybe dissatisfaction on both sides that maybe you're not talking about that you need to. So instead, focus on the good things more and the bad things less. You know, you've probably heard the garden analogy. Water what you want to grow, don't water the weeds. Letting your partner know that what you love about them is what you really want to focus on, whether it's physical, intellectual, or emotional, just say it. That can actually help you see him or her in a more positive light. Just your speaking that to another person Mm -hmm. is going to change the way you feel. Yeah, there's power in the tongue. What about surprises? Surprises work? I think they keep love alive. You know, you've got to find new ways to trigger that feel-good dopamine and that oxytocin. So novelty, excitement, surprise, in some way, doing something different, new, going to a different place, all of that element surprise really makes you feel good. I also think that when you know your spouse has your back, that has to go a long way to ensuring love. One secret to this lasting attraction is having your partner's back. I'm so glad you mentioned that, Norm. And knowing that your partner has yours as well. So adults who feel secure in their relationship tend to have higher self-esteem. Knowing your partner is there for you not only makes for a great functioning relationship, but it also stimulates feelings of romance. (laughs) And the most important way to stay in love 
is to first love God with all your heart, and then he helps you love others. Mark 12 reminds us of the greatest commandment of all. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And then he reminds us of the second great commandment, to love our neighbor as ourself. There's no commandment greater than these, Jesus said. And 1 Peter 4, 8 says, above all, above all, love each other deeply. Right there. There it is. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. In 1 Corinthians 16, 14, Paul tells us to do everything in love. Wow. So weddings remind us to love deeply. We love because God first loved us. And then Jesus reminds us as well, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Because greater love than this has no one than to lay down their life for their friend. So this wedding season, remember, marriage is about covenantal love. Purpose in your heart to love more, to love better. Not just when you attend a wedding, but it's great to remind yourself of your vows, but love deeply every day. Well, that's all the time we have today. Many thanks to our producer and my co-host, Norm Mintel, who's also my partner for life, who makes the show a conversation, and our technical producer, Katie Sims. From all of us here at Faith Radio, we'll talk to you again next weekend. In the meantime, remember, we're doing life together, and it's better when you don't have to do it alone. Well, thanks for listening to this conversation from the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. These podcasts are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and helping us grow the impact of the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. Also, take a moment to subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player, and you'll never miss a show.